Before we get started with today's episode of Bench with Bubba, let me tell you about one of our sponsors, Draft. If you love fantasy baseball, then you need to try our new favorite app called Draft. It's daily fantasy baseball, but not like the other guys. On Draft, you play live snake drafts with other people just like in your season-long league. Drafts last just for one night. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Just set it and forget it. And the best part, you play for cold, hard cash and get paid out the next day. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. Trust me, I love playing drafts. I play golf. I play NFL, basketball. You can play um, three. Uh, you can play head-to-head, three-man, six-man. There's, there's running leagues. You win one night. It keeps going for four, five, six nights. You can play a dream team. There's all kinds of great ways to play draft, and you can join me today. Just search draft in your app store or, or play right from your computer on draft.com. And when you enter promo code SD Sports. You got to enter the promo code SD Sports. You get a free entry into a real money baseball draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use the promo code SD Sports. That's right. Playing a real money game for free just for using the promo code SD Sports when you make your first deposit. Just again, search draft in your app store or go to draft.com and enter the promo code SD Sports. Now to this week's edition of Benched with Bubba. everybody to another episode of bench with bubba episode 93 talking a little more fantasy baseball some uh players that are quite the topic of conversation these days for good or bad reasons and in order to do so I have a special guest you can find his work on fantasy alarm twice a week doing the fantasy baseball podcast and he does some work over at bgfs big guy fantasy sports and football work there check him on twitter at colby r conway colby how we doing man hey i'm doing well just living the dream loving talking baseball and loving this time of year yeah, it's a great time of year, especially for guys like you that cover both sports. And I'm going to try to make more of an attempt to get more football on the podcast this year instead of just in written form and DFS. So we might be talking more than uh, more than just tonight uh, as we get closer to the season. But yeah, baseball is in full swing, a little over a month of the year and uh, a lot going on indeed. Uh, let's get into our actually, you know, let's try something a little different here. Why don't you let people know what you're actually doing with the baseball show over there at Fantasy Alarm and give people a nice little plug about what you guys got going on. Yeah, absolutely. So twice a week, releases on Thursdays and Mondays, you can hear Nate Miller and I, you know, breaking down breaking down the fantasy week. Each week we talk about, uh, for each episode, we talk about stunning stat lines we saw from that week, whether it be good or bad. Uh, like, for example, this week we talked a little bit about James Paxson's no-hitter and we touched on Dylan Bundy's horrific of a start if that's the word you want to use for it. Um, break down some guys that are worth picking up, starting pitchers to stream heading into the weekend, and you know, just always talking baseball. And every now and then we'll get some non-baseball topics. Like the other week we covered a uh, fantasy TV show draft and comedy movie draft that Nate was doing. So it's an enjoyable 40 minutes for sure. 
That's awesome. I'll have to check, go back and check that one out because I was in that draft with Nate, and that was a lot of fun. So uh, it, it's fun doing goofy stuff like that, just instead of the same thing over and over and over again. As much as you know, I like talking sports. I know you like talking sports. Mixing it up isn't the worst things you can do. Even on this, I'll do. I'll have Matt Modica on. We'll talk Game of Thrones for forty-five minutes. Uh, there's like random things to mix it up. Um, but you mentioned one, and it's not on the outline, but you, you brought up a good point. James Paxson. Okay, he throws the no-no on uh, Tuesday night. Yeah, Tuesday night. And he was coming off of a humongous performance prior to that where he struck out, I believe, 16, just looked filthy. And this no-no was insane, throwing 98 and 100 in his last few pitches, 99 pitches. What are you doing with a guy like James Paxton? Because he's always had a career of injury problems. When he's healthy, he has been an amazing pitcher, like an ace of a staff just outside, I think, of that top four, maybe you know, top seven or eight kind of guys. But are you trading him? Are you selling high? Or are you just going to ride this wave? He's one of those guys where – when he's not injured, you love having him, and especially after a start to this season. You're really hoping you held on. Uh, had a bad first start, but he's bounced back nice. Like you said, the 16 strikeout game, and now the no hitter. Uh, he's he's due for an injury. It's happened. It's going to happen every year. It's about as a sure thing as Adrian Beltre going on the DL at this point. These guys are just. It's one of those things he just can't. He just can't avoid it, and it's. You know, I won't. I won't say it's his fault, but it just seems to bite him every year. So he's definitely one I'm not going to trade because if you look at his per inning productivity it's off the charts like you said he competes with that top four top five guys and each year you could make the case that if there's going to be anybody outside of the top five that were to break in that season Paxton's one of the first guys that's mentioned so he's one that you probably can't trade for because he's going to cost too much especially coming off his last two outings but if you have him hold on to him and just pray that this is the year that he gives you 200 innings but you'd even be happy with 180 with this guy yeah, no, I remember when we did uh, like starting pitcher previews and everything. I think I was with Modica, and he's he's been on the the Paxton train forever. And I, I hopped on it with him last year, and I've been enjoying the ride when he's healthy, as we said. And I think we were even saying, okay, if you can get 170 to 180, you're going to have a heck of a year with this guy. So, like you said, shoot for the moon, be prepared for a DL stint, and uh, go from there. Let's talk uh, Blue Jays closers. I don't want to talk about the reason we're talking about Blue Jays closers because that's just disgusting for one, and we don't know all the details, so let that all hash out. But unfortunately, we have to find a new closer with the Blue Jays. And um, there's about four names you see filtered around. you got Tyler Clipper who got the save the other night. you got Sungwono, uh, John Axford, and Ryan Tapera. There's a lot of different angles. I want to hear some of yours. We can kind of go back and forth on this. Where do you see this one kind of hashing out, or who would you be looking to target with most of your fab money if you had to type thing? So I'm going to go with the guy that gave the first save to. Uh, luckily enough for us fantasy owners, after the whole thing shook out with Osuna, it wasn't long afterwards till we got a save opportunity. We could see how they planned on using the pen. They brought O out first, and Clippard was the one who got the save. So I'm going to go with the guy that got the first opportunity. So Tyler Clippard's a guy, and I've actually targeted him in years past. You know, He's been productive each of the way. He can get up to a strikeout around a batter in an inning, might hover a little bit below depending. And it's one of those guys where he works well in a limited fashion, and the longer he's in that closer role could be a problem. The only thing that I could see with Clippard, obviously once Osuna comes back, if you know if he does, uh, Clippard could be a guy that might end up getting traded depending on ter- how Toronto's season's going come the deadline. Um, but right now, I'm going to bid the most on Clippard, and if you miss on him, I'm despite being the first reliever out of the pen in that thing, I think O's going to be the setup guy. He, he was a guy I was targeting earlier this season when he was signed by Texas for those eight hours before a failed physical caused him to not go there and open the door for uh, 
Keone Kella, but right now bid the most on Clippard, and then if you miss out on him, I would go with uh, I go with O. Yeah, you mentioned a really important thing that I mentioned on a different show the other night. I think I wouldn't be shocked uh, if Clifford, Clippard gets the shot for that trade reason. Uh, we know Toronto, sure they're above five hundred and now they're twenty and seventeen. But when you're behind Boston and New York, and you know it's going to be really tough to get that second wild card spot, and you got you know J- Josh Donaldson's hurt and might be leaving at the end, most likely leaving at the end of the year, you're going to want to try to get as many assets as you can. And Clippers been outstanding this year, over a 29 percent strikeout rate, but he's got a couple peripherals that you just need to hope he hangs on a lo- enough. 100 percent left on ball rate, probably not sustainable. A buck 46 Babbitt, um, a massive fly ball guy. So he's pitching phenomenal right now. The FIP and all that stuff does not agree with his ERA. But I agree. I think they're going to give him the shot, get that value up, and then O would be the guy I'd be looking at as well. I like both those guys there. And you also said it. it's very nice of the Blue Jays to give us a spot right out the gate to kind of get our, our feet wet and figure out exactly where things are landing. Um, let's go to Texas. And there's a young stud who many have said could be a 30-plus, 40-plus home run talent. And he hasn't really found it yet. He's, you know, 23, just turned 23 a couple weeks ago. And he's been on an absolute tear the last few weeks of the of the season. I'm talking no more Mazzara. What are you doing with a guy like no more Mazzara? Are you trying to sell him while he's on this hot streak? Or are you trying to go and buy him? I've been trying to buy him in every league I'm in. Um, he's actually one of 19 players in baseball right now with 50 or more balls hit at 95 miles an hour or higher. And, I'm big into that whole exit velocity thing. I tried to avoid it, but it's one of those things. Once I started looking at it, I'm hooked on it now. So all those stat cast metrics. It it reels you in. It reels you in fast. I tried so hard to avoid it, and then I got sucked in once, and now I'm hooked. So now I I start looking there. Um, But no, I'm absolutely trying to buy Mazar. I really wish I had more shares of him. I really don't know why I didn't draft him. Um, I came into the year being an emphatic fan of him, and then never drafted him. So I wish I would have took my own advice, but I think it's one of those things where I was looking too. He's destroying breaking pitches, and for, uh, in 2016 and 2017, he had nine home runs and roughly 270 at bats. And this year, he's already got four in 35. Uh, so that's excellent because obviously now he's going to. He has. You think he'd have to get more fastballs if he can hit the off speed? Here come fastballs, and he's in a good lineup as long as Adrian Beltre's in there. He also has Joey Gallo and a potential emergence of Delano DeShields at the top of the lineup can really help some of his counting stats. I'd like to see him run a little bit, but this could be the year where that power really breaks out and he pushes that 30 that thirty home run ceiling or maybe even bust through. So, man, I wish I had this guy, and I'm trying to buy him right now while it's still a reasonable price. Um, if you had to buy him right now, what do you think a reasonable price would be? Uh, I, well, I can tell you every offer I've sent hasn't been good enough. Um, <laughs> I've tried... I mean, I've tried combinations of like Adrian Beltre and Miguel Cabrera, and I know those are two old guys. Um, in one league, I have Teoscar Hernandez, and the guy wanted him. I know we'll probably talk about him in a bit, but I didn't want to give him up. I like him too much. So I think a fair price for him, you're, for Mazzara at this point, you're probably going to have to push maybe a starting pitcher in that maybe 12 to 20 range, depending on what the guy – if you're playing with somebody maybe who has – pitching deficiencies you could try to push the upside of like a jose barrios in minnesota i know he's had some bad starts here so it might not be the best time to push him out there but something like a barrios from mazara wouldn't necessarily be bad given what both of their ceilings could be no that makes a lot of sense i'll I'll throw one out there talking about struggling outfielders and maybe you know it it could be someone looking to buy low and you just don't think he's going to rebound would you trade uh, andrew benintendi 
for Nomar Mazzara? I would. Ooh, that's intriguing. Um, I have Benintendi, haven't offered him up. Uh, I think if I, I'd rather have Benintendi, I believe. I like, I still think Benintendi is going to get to 2020 this season, could push 25 25. Definitely been a slow start, but, and it could be one of those things too, especially with fantasy baseball, halftime, it's a war of attrition. And if your team is just, uh, just battling injuries left and right and you need production now, sure, you guys should go ahead and make that move. But if you're playing, if you're playing the long game, I'd rather have Ben Intendi because that 25-25 is real. And at some point, he's going to be a 30-30 guy. I really do believe that. Yeah, I, I said coming into the year, he's definitely a five-category outfielder. That's why I had him ranked in the top 10 in outfield for me because I thought I thought this year would be a 2020-25-25 type season. And obviously, it still can, like you said. And if he reaches that potential, he's a top 10 outfielder to me in a roto league. Like, he has all those stats. He's made for a good average. And one thing I've emphasized a few podcasts ago – Buying low is so much fun for the fact that if you believe in his stats, like you just said with uh, Benintendi, you're going to get to get all the good days now because all the bad days are already buying him. So you got to kind of look at that when you said the war of attrition. You either got to hang on and write him out or you can cash in and kind of hit or miss. No, absolutely. Uh, you, take, you take a look too. You know, Mazar's already hit 10. Say you think he hits 30. In theory, you got 20 home runs from him. And Benintendi only has got a couple. You think if he gets a 25 or 30, you're getting more home runs out of that. Plus, I mean, I don't think Mazzara can match what Benintendi can do in speed. I think if he ran, he might be able to, but Benintendi obviously has the higher floor in terms of stolen bases, and stolen bases are pretty hard to get nowadays in fantasy baseball. Which is crazy because I'll never forget everyone saying coming into the season, oh, they're so easy, There's so many guys. You know, First of all, home runs, then so many guys get you know, 10, 15, 20. You don't have that big studs like always, but you can get a bunch of 10 to 15 guys later in the draft. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I'm not really seeing that anymore. Um, you already mentioned his name. You're talking exit velocity. You're talking a guy you didn't want to trade for no more. Oscar Hernandez. Um, I know I've said it many times on my show. I watched this kid play in Fresno for the Astros. When they traded him to Toronto, I was telling everybody that would listen, which sometimes is nobody. It's like being at home with my wife. It's like, this guy is really, really good. He's raw. He's young, but he can hit the snot out of a baseball defense. It, you know, usually pretty good, but sometimes a mess. This guy's good, and people are finally seeing it a little bit at the end of last year, coming into this year. What are your expectations for the rest of the year with a guy like Teoscar Hernandez? Because obviously you're not selling him. You want to buy him. What are you expecting from him? Man, I love this guy. Uh, he's just he's one of those stat cast darlings. I was taking a look at him, too. And when you look at barreled balls per plate appearance, he's yes. tied with Mike Zanino. I mean, that doesn't sound that great. But tied for second in all of baseball, trailing only Mookie Betts, who – I mean, there's nobody hotter in baseball than him at this point with how well he's been doing. Um, and then also with Teoscar Hernandez, you talk about exit velocity. In terms of average exit velocities, tied for 15th right now in all of baseball. He is absolutely destroying the baseball. And when I was on that podcast with Nate, when he came up, I said that he would force Toronto's hand to the point that they could not send him down. And he, they, they absolutely can't. They shouldn't. They, I, I guess in theory they could. Uh, no way they should, but you look you look long term, it's hard not to. I mean, we might only be a year away, maybe two years away if I were a betting guy, to seeing Bo Bichette, Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Teoscar Hernandez potentially hitting first, second, and third in that Toronto lineup. Just absolutely crazy. And, and you talk about a loaded AL East at that point. My God, with Aaron Judge, mm-hmm. Gary Sanchez, go to everybody in Boston and then you have Tampa Bay, but maybe they'll put something together here soon. Yeah, someday. Um, but, yeah, you know that 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 three three batters at the top of that order 
should give all Jays fans at least some hope of a future. Uh, you hit on Vlad Guerrero Jr., just quick thought. I saw a lot of people saying he's going to be up by the end of June. What are you thinking? Oh, man, I hope so. That'd be awesome. I'd love to see that guy. I mean, if you if you look at Twitter buzzing around him, you think he'd be the MVP for the next 10 years straight. I mean, you just watched – I mean, you see little seven-second seven clips on Twitter. and I mean, every ball he hits an absolute moonshot. He could hit a ground out to shortstop, and people are raving about how hard he hit that ball. I mean, this guy is – and I, I, I'm just so happy that he's so good because his dad, his his old man was so much fun to watch. And yeah, if he's exactly. anything like that, gotta love it. Toronto's got to be excited. Yeah, his swing. I know he's a little plumpier than uh, his father was, but as a big guy, I respect it because he can still ball. <laughs> but um, the way his swing, like when I, they, some people have done that side by side, it is so awesome how like almost identical it is. It is. It's creepy, and it's only fitting he's playing for the only team in Canada after his dad played all those years in uh, Montreal. So pretty darn sweet there. Let's talk about another player. If I just read the stat line and told you the guy's hitting 292, seven homers on the year, 28 ribbies, and he's playing third base for the Philadelphia Phillies, you'd probably think I was talking about Scott Kingery. But no, we're talking about Mikel Franco, and I want to ask you, Colby, is this for real? Because that's his season stats. You look at his last, like, two weeks, he's just been on an absolute tear. Yeah, it certainly could be, and he's one of those guys where just coming off last year, only hitting two thirty with a, a putrid two eighty one on base. You look at those two numbers alone, and you're not that excited about him. And then at the third base position, that's been you know in recent years has received an influx of power. Twenty four bombs, seventy six RBIs last year, and twenty five and eighty eight the year before. At that position, though, those numbers, I mean, they're nice, but they're, it's nothing to get super excited about. And obviously, when Philadelphia signed Kingery to an extension before he even played an MLB game and Cesar Hernandez being an on-base guy and Crawford holding shortstop down. Everybody kind of wrote Franco off. And I talked when I was on the fantasy alarm podcast, I said, Franco would have to hit to hold that job. And luckily for him, he's been hitting 292 average. Um, The walk rates right around his career norm. So he's maintaining a respectable on-base percentage, big jumps in ISO and slugging. So that's really nice to see. And also, the reason I think it is sustainable too, because when you look at the some of the peripheral marks, line drive percentages in check with his career marks, fly ball rates in checks or in check. The only thing he's not really driving the ball opposite field like he has in years past, but pulling it's fine and hitting it up the middle is good. So I think it's certainly sustainable what he's doing. It's hard to get really excited about him, but I think some of that lust with Kingery has definitely wore off, and maybe people are starting to realize that they whiffed on Franco and. I mean, I'll be the first to admit, I, cer- I certainly whiffed on him. I bought way into the hype of those other Philadelphia infielders compared to him. Yeah, no, when it comes to Franco, I was all in a couple of years ago, and I got to the point, like, screw it, I'll trust this Kingery hype. And like you said, is no one's really talking to him anymore. It's pretty much um, Franco and everybody else, and Kingery kind of does his thing, but you don't even really hear about him when he's playing. So there's a lot to like there, and like you said, his, his counting stats and his, his uh, advanced metrics look very, very good and, and could be very sustainable because the talent's always been there, just a matter of when is it coming through. Some another guy that, you know, once a high, high draft pick, he struggled, went to the outfield, started playing well, and then he got hurt and struggled again. Alex Gordon of the Kansas City Royals, he's maybe putting it together. He got off to a slow start as expected, but he's hitting up to 313 now on the season, um, slash line at 368 and 463, does have a 344 Babbitt. Slight concern, but he's had a good run here. People are intrigued about him. Is he worth picking up in leagues, or is this just a hot start? He's going to go back to normal. 
I think he's worth picking up, but this is a guy I've just been off for so many years now. It's, you know, once you're off the wagon for so long, it's hard to get back on it. And he's been a little bit miserable in recent years. And the only thing you're getting is he can put it together across the board in terms of all the categories, albeit lower numbers. Uh, this 313 batting average certainly isn't something I think that will sustain. If you look in recent past two years, 288 BABIP and a 261 BABIP. And right now he's all the way up at 344. So he's good. there's going to be some regression to the mean with him. So I'm a little worried with that. But season's end, if he does come back, 10 home runs, 10 stolen bases, maybe a 260, 265 batting average for being generous. There's not really much in that lineup around him, though, to really help some of those other counting stats. But, he, I mean, he could be – I hate even use Benintendi, but like an extremely poor man's Andrew Benintendi in that, you know, instead of Benintendi's 20-20 or 25-25, you're going to get – 10 and 10 with about 25 or 30 points knocked off that batting average. So he's not the sexy pickup. He's not the flashy play, but it's one of those at the end of the year, you should look at his numbers and be like, you know, he was a pretty, pretty valuable fifth outfielder and I could have done a hell of a lot worse. That's honestly not a bad way to break it down when you compare him to Benintendi because when Gordon was younger and Benintendi's age, that's who he was supposed to be. Uh, maybe with a little more power. So that's a great point. He, um, it, it, the talent's there. It's just he's always banged up and just inconsistent. So maybe it is. I know in the TGFBI, the 15 team where I grabbed him uh, for cheap off the waiver wire. So see where it goes from there. I'll write it while I can because I need all the help I can get right now. But uh, let's talk about a pitcher for the Rays. You said earlier maybe the Rays will figure something out. Well, here's a long shot. Uh, Nate Eovaldi. He spent last year rehabbing Tommy John, got banged up early this season. Uh, in spring training, he's rehabbing right now, pitched a game down there in a single A, and he's pitched a couple. And they're expecting him back hopefully at the end of May, early June. Like He was throwing really good in spring before he got hurt, and the, the hype train was starting to pick up on Eovaldi. What are you thinking about a guy like Eovaldi? Is, is, it, obviously, if he's got a spot in that rotation, he's probably worth an add, especially in deeper leagues. But what's your kind of expectations for him? Deeper leagues absolutely is worth an add. He's one of those guys where – he was really nice in New York that year. He went 14-3, and three, uh, which certainly helped some of my fancy teams. 2016, obviously, regressed back to the mean. Never been a big strikeout guy for as hard as he can. As he, I guess he used to throw. We're not really sure what he's going to be coming back. But you think the velocity would r- remain somewhat intact. Doesn't necessarily put too many guys on either. Uh, before he did get hurt, though, home runs were a problem, and it was a huge spike. He had a career mark. He's got a career mark of point. Or 0.80 per nine, but last or in 2016, it jumped all the way up to 1.66. So that's a mark that it's got to come back closer to his career marks. Would like to see the strikeouts pick up a bit. However, I am a little concerned the fact that he does pitch for the Rays, so he's not going to have much of an offense behind him. Not to mention that, you know, in his division, there's arguably two of the most powerful offenses in baseball and a Toronto team that, you know, if some of these reports are true and Guerrero does come up, receives a nice, you know, a nice little addition of pop in that lineup too. So I don't like the division. I don't like the stadiums he'll be pitching in does, you know, does ease my concerns a little bit that he has experience pitching in New York. So he's kind of familiar with what goes down there, but he's, he's a guy that I will be trying to avoid, but by then I could have another three pitchers go on the DL and I'll be, you know, having to pick him up. So he's not going to be a guy I'm going to run to, but in a deeper league, if you need pitching help, he's certainly worth the pickup, just knowing he does have a track record of success in the majors. So hopefully he gets back to that and he comes back from this arm injury just fine. 
Now let's just let's just assume that he performs kind of how you were saying, and he's he's usable in the right you know right game setting, right spot starting for your fantasy team. Would you rather have a guy like him or Francisco Lariano? Oh well, being <laughs> have a lot of experience watching Liriano <laughs> and true. liked liked what he did for a couple years in Pittsburgh, and then hit or miss. The I think I'd rather go. I think I'd actually rather go Eobaldi. I'm going to take the chance with him. It's Liriano is one of those things he can just blow up, and obviously Eovaldi can too. But for his career, you know, in home starts, his ERA is just a tick under four, and on the road, it's four point four four. So he's going to be one of those guys. While he might not help you, I don't think he's going to absolutely destroy your team. Where you know Liriano can get some of those starts where he'll go six shutout innings with ten strikeouts, but he's also nearly just as able to go three innings and let up seven earned runs. So I think Eovaldi is the safer option of the two. Um, obviously, Liriano provides much more in the strikeout department. So you want to take a look at your team and see which categories you need. But in a vacuum, Eovaldi is the safer choice. Okay, yeah, that's not a bad call at all. We take this brief break from Bench with Bubba to talk to you about RotoWare. It's one of the best quality shirts in the industry. When I mean industry, all the clothing industry, the fantasy sports industry, because people are rocking it, they're loving it. You're seeing it in a lot of big outlets now. The no other brand can compete with RotoWare in terms of quality. They're premium blend fabric, super soft, comfortable, athletic fit shirts. They specialize with a special, special printing process. The design is part of the shirt. Literally, it is, it is dyed and bleached into the fabric, no thick ink. There's over 30 different designs right now. It's just crazy, all the stuff they have coming out, and there's more and more stuff every time you turn your head. They have fantasy football, baseball, hockey, basketball, some really cool DFS ones, but everything's great. They have men's, women's, and kids. Check them all out. Go to rotoware.com, R-O-T-O-W-E-A-R.com. Check them out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at rotoware. But the cool part, guys, if you use the promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, you get 20% off your order. Again, promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S. Check their site out. Check them Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. They're always giving away free shirts. And then when you go to purchase the ones you want for you, your loved ones, your friends, your family, whatever, use promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, for 20% off your order. Now back to this week's episode of Bench with Bubba. So about a, a southpaw out of Arizona, Patrick Corbin, Velocity dropping pretty significantly the last couple times. That was especially recently in L.A. People got quite concerned as he was not fooling many people. As you know, the highlight early on the season, tons of slider usage. Fastball had some zip on it, getting a lot of swinging strikes, and hasn't had that of late, and it's been showing. Are you concerned as much as everyone else seems to be concerned about Patrick Corbin? I'm not as concerned because when you take a look at it, in his recent starts, I mean – Six innings, three hits, one earned run, five strikeouts. It's a quality start. Obviously, the second start against the Dodgers is most recent one. Four walks, but still managed seven strikeouts in five innings. By no means are those bad starts. I mean, they're just bad compared to where he had been. I mean, he's not going to go out there and strike out 11 in six innings or throw complete game, you know, one-hit shutouts every time. Um, Corey Kluber and guys like that aren't even doing that. So I'm not concerned with it. I still think what we've seen so far is something that, Probably won't be maintained. He, he's going to, obviously, I don't see him being a pitcher with a near sub two ERA for the duration of the season. But he switched up the repertoire a little bit, which is nice. He's mixed, you know, keeping bal- or hitters off balance. Uh, but even though the velocity is down, he's not allowing the opposition to make hard hit or hard contact as often. So as long as he can maintain that, I think he's fine. And like we talk about all off season, there is the humidor in Arizona, so. You know, 
buy buy into that what you want. I know that was one of the most talked about things this offseason. But even if even if Corbin pitches like he has in his recent starts, I mean, he's logging quality starts and still being useful in fantasy formats. Got to keep the walks down. Uh, I'm not very concerned with him right now at all. Okay, good to know. So if you're not concerned, I'm assuming that means you're not selling him, or do you still look to sell him at his target? Because you're, you're green, he's not going to be a 2-1 ERA guy. So if would you be looking to sell? If the right opportunity presented itself, yes, I would be looking to sell. Um, but it's also one of those things, it's not going to be one that I'm actively going to go out there pushing in my league. I don't want people to know that I'd be willing to give up Corbin, uh, but if someone would come to me and you know, they'd be like, hey, I'll give you Andrew Benintendi for Patrick Corbin. I would sit there and use all 48 hours of that trade offer that I have to ponder that. And it's something I would certainly be interested in, but I wouldn't let it be known to everybody in my league that I want to trade him. Okay. I like that. Let's talk about a career. Uh, you know, Patrick Corbin already having a kind of rejuvenation of, t- of sorts. Julio Tehran, the guy that everyone was kind of a running joke around baseball for the last little, you know, he had a good six, 2016. He made the all-star team, but last year was a mess. Uh, SunTrust Park has not treated him kindly. He's off to a really, really good start this year. And if you do the splits home road on the road, he's like lights out back to the ace form of Tehran. We, we once remembered, what are you doing with a guy like Tehran? Are you, um, are you looking to add him like via trade? Because I'm assuming he's not available on any waiver wires unless you're in like an eight-team league. But uh, how do you approach and take on? I can tell you if he's not on your team, you can certainly trade for him, but you want to be strategic when you go for him. So here's the thing. This season, when he's on the road, he's a, he has a 2.05 ERA, and at home it's a 4.29. He struggles against left-handers, and at his home ballpark, lefties and SunTrust are absolutely valuable look at freddie freeman look at ender and Ciarte. all those guys putting up nice numbers so that's one of those things where if you want to buy on Tehran, which i'm totally in on uh nate and i talk about him often on the podcast so wait till he has a home start he you know he'll go five innings maybe six innings let up four earned runs or so then you want to make a trade for him you don't want to do it after you know a good road start where he's been much better this season uh one thing that's really interesting is Last year, three of his pitches, out, aside from his fastball, opposition was hitting 258 or higher on each of those pitches on his uh, sinker slider and changeup. But this year, all three of those pitches have registered a batting average against of 235 or lower. So he's had much more success this season with his non-fastball compared to last season, which could explain why he has been just incredible on the road and better than he has been in recent years at home. So wait for a home start when he's not at his peak and then make your offer for him. That's an outstanding point because, yeah, it's even in years past, especially last year, he could not locate mm-hmm. his off-speed, and those fastballs was just like batting practice for these guys. And you, you hit that on the head. And and it's crazy. He's actually pitching this well, and he still has a, a walk rate of around 10%, which you'd imagine would come back down to earth a little bit to go with everything else that's working out so well with him. So I, I'm, I'm just mesmerized by this because I've always been like, okay, after last year, and that ballpark, I want nothing to do with him. But, yeah, I agree. If you can get him on your roster and you can, you know, especially in daily leagues for sure, but even, you know, weekly and you know he's got those road starts, this guy is as much start, as much start as it comes right now. It's pretty darn impressive. I was kind of brought it all together. And, you know, people are writing him off. And now as that team just keeps rebuilding and looking like they're about a year away from the baby Braves, you know, going to the playoffs or contending for a playoff spot, you got a guy like Taker on to lead the way. That's going to be pretty darn impressive to go with Soraka and, and Gohara and all those other talented arms down there. So 
that's pretty pretty darn good if you're a Braves fan right now. Uh, you could, I mean, you could make a case too. You're looking at all these teams with this young talent. Obviously, we already hit on Toronto with Bichette, Guerrero, and Hernandez. But I mean, is there a more feared top three? Oh, I mean, no. you could even go right now with Albie's, Acuna, and Freeman. Yeah, I mean, it's terrifying. I mean, they have Ender Inciarte hitting at the bottom of the order, and I think he's hitting over 300, and he's got 15 stolen bases or something already. That yeah. team, that team is, they're coming sooner than we thought, and I know, I, I know, I know, Nate Miller's real happy about that. Oh yeah, man, that's Nate. That's Nate's team. I do know that, and uh, absolutely. You, you, and you know, they always say, you know, you, you put the right people around the right settings. We got a, an aging Nick Markakis around all that youth, and all of a sudden he's playing like he's 25 again. And it's just, it's just crazy watching those guys. And I remember on my, my daily DFS show I do, I, I tell people almost on a daily basis, if you're making a lot of lineups, you almost have to make uh, Albies, Alcuna, Freeman stack just because they are that good that on any given night, no matter the pitch, we've seen them take the best of the best deep. Like they can put up just insane nights with that lineup. It's going to be fun to watch for sure. There's so, um, much, so much youth. Yeah. And then, yeah, you said it between, you know, Toronto – the Nationals, they have Robles, who's injured. They just promoted Juan Soto to double-A, and that kid is a monster. That's like the next Acuna coming up to the system. He wouldn't shock me if he knocks on the door by the end of the season. I doubt they let him in, but he might be knocking. Um, they just, there's so much talent over baseball. It's so, so much fun right now. Um, let's talk Jaime Berea of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, a name I honestly never thought I'd really be wanting to bring up on this podcast in my lifetime, but uh, this kid – he was supposed to just be kind of a spot starter here and there, and he's been up and down a couple times this year. And this last time through, you know, two starts recently, uh, only 11 and a third innings, but nine Ks, an ERA of 159, and he went into Coors and shut them down, which is the impressive part to me. As Is this a guy that's worth grabbing and holding on to while he's got a spot, or is this just a pure luck thing and the Rockies are as bad as we thought they were? Well, it's interesting because the Rockies haven't exactly been as powerful at home as we've seen in recent years. And, you know, there's been times where, especially at DFS, you know, they're in Colorado. So you load up on the hitting. And then of course there's a, it's a one, nothing game or a two, one game. Um, but you can't take away what he did walking into Coors field, striking out seven and a little over five innings, generating 18 uh, swinging strikes. He's going to be a guy you're going to have to pick up now because now that he's had two decent starts, Back-to-back, you know, everyone in the fantasy community is going to be all over him. Uh, Unfortunately, I do think you're going to pick him up and you won't get to use him until probably next weekend because I believe he's scheduled to face Houston in his next start. And that's an offense that it's hard to go against, but it's one of those things where you have to pick him up now. You know, it's still going to cost you probably a half-decent penny of your fab to get him. But pick him up, sit him against Houston, and then I think if he goes out there and carves up Houston, I think you got something real special on your hands here. And you know, it's hard to say now, but could he end up being one of the more valuable pickups in fantasy? Possibly. Uh, good offense behind him should score plenty of runs. And in, in his last two starts, I mean, no matter what happens, Colorado and Baltimore, you know, they're not they're not slouches of an offense. So it's been a nice start for him. We'll have to see what he does against Houston. Yeah, and, you know, I, I spoke probably more, you know, tongue-in-cheek about never talking about him. If you look back at his, his minor league numbers, even this year in AAA, and he already below three, uh, a K per nine of close to nine. He's kind of had that throughout most of the minors. The FIP and the XFIP just never, especially the XFIPs, they've never really matched up with most of his performance. But he seems to be that guy, you know, before this year, we kind of called that the Lance Lynn, where he 
he always outperformed what the advanced stats said. And maybe Berea is another one of those guys. He just gets it done and you just kind of roll with it after a while. Yeah, he's going to have, have, have to keep the walks down. That's just, yeah, that's, that's, that's going to be big. At this point, and I was talking to Nate about this too. At this point, of all these young guys coming up, half of them are throwing you know near 95, 96, 97 miles an hour. Not with any young pitcher, you could almost say command's going to be a concern. I mean, there are very few young guys that come up that have polished command. So, so we're, I think we're almost getting to the point where if a young guy's not coming up because he has command issues, unless it's extremely bad, like Tyler Glass now bad, then. I think he could almost write it off, and I think he'll be fine. He'll figure it out at the big league level. It's all about just getting up there, getting your feet wet, and getting establishing confidence in a rhythm. So true. And let's talk about a guy that has probably lost all confidence. Uh, started out the year absolutely outstanding, picking up where he left off in the second half of last year, talking Dylan Bundy. And the last three starts have been dreadful. Uh, he's only gone nine innings. He's given up 23 hits, only struck out eight. He has an ERA of 19. Team. It has been ugly. He gave up seven runs on four homers and no outs the other night against Kansas City of all teams. What is going on with Dylan Bundy? Because this is a guy that I know many, including myself, thought, okay, this kid finally figured it out, and I am really concerned. Yeah, really, really concerned might even be an understatement. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he's let up nine home runs over his last nine innings too. I yeah, believe, you're right. you're and right. I mean. And like you said, I mean, he lit up four to Kansas City. And if you ask just like, even a casual baseball fan to name three people in that lineup, I'm not sure they could do it. Um, that lineup is, is not very potent at, the, at all. And it, I, I hate to do this, but you never want to wish an injury upon someone. Yeah. But you almost wish that he comes out and says, oh, you know, my shoulder's been – I'm dealing with shoulder fatigue. You don't want pain, but – you know, because at least then it can be explained. Like he's been so bad because he's trying to pitch through an injury. Um, I'm hoping that's the case. Comes out just as you know, shoulder fatigue, or I've been sick now for 15 days and dealing with the flu, flu-like symptoms, and that would definitely explain what happened since his hot start. But I mean, it, he's gone from top of the world to just lower than dirt with his recent performances. So maybe injury news comes out here in the coming days. But man, it's been a real rough go for him. Yeah, and I think that's the scary realization that might come true because, you know, this is a guy that's had a ton of injury history. That's why he's finally burst onto the scene last year. He was a top prospect and everything. And the way things have changed and he was having a lot of success when he's throwing his slider and the off-speed stuff and he kind of – last few starts, the percentages aren't completely there. I was listening to Paul Sporer's thing and he was breaking it down and he's still using it but not nearly what he was early. That's got a, a little bit of a red flag, and hopefully it's nothing serious. Uh, but, yeah, I'm with you. It does seem a little not right, that's for sure. A uh, couple more guys we'll talk about here, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, Dustin Fowler, we talked to you, talking young guys, prospect for the A's, had the horrific accident when he left the White Sox, came over to the, or with the Yankees, came over to the A's in the Sunday Gray deal. Got called up, but it's kind of a crowded outfield. So what are we looking at with Dustin Fowler, who was having a really good start to the year in AAA? Yeah, you talk about the horrific injury. If I'm not mistaken, that was his first game – or not his first game. First yeah, was, big league game. That was That was the uh, – it was like a foul ball in foul territory, and he was playing right field. And I think that's when he like slid into the fence and his knee buckled underneath him, if I'm not mistaken. He slipped um, and he – when he slipped, he hit like a – Sprinkler cover thing, and that's what made it buckle all weird. 
Oof. Well, yeah, it's pretty nasty. He's suing yeah, the he's suing that. the White Sox. Is he really? Yeah. Oh yeah, he's suing the White Sox. <laughs> um, but no, Fowler. I mean, it, this season, thirty games at AAA, hit three ten, eight stolen bases, had three home runs and seven doubles in that span. Uh, only walked five times, so you'd like to see that walk rate improve, especially at the big league level. But a lot of these young guys are. You know, we talk about pitchers, young pitchers with command issues. A lot of these young guys are free swingers. So, and I mean, there's not much fun in taking a walk, but you got guys who have made a nice career off it, a la Matt Carpenter, just taking walks. So I think Fowler is an interesting player. Um, it would be nice to, if he didn't have that gruesome knee injury, we could have seen what he built upon in New York. However, if he didn't have that gruesome injury, he might still be in New York. So it's one of those things where it could be a blessing in disguise, but could he come up, you know, when he comes up this season, could he end the year with 10 home runs and 10 stolen bases? Sure. I don't think he gets to 15 and 15, but 10 and 10 with a batting average around 285, which is right in line with his minor league numbers. I think that's fair to believe. So I think he's worthy of a pickup and he's going to get playing time. Yeah, I agree with you there. He's going to get his shot. I think once he gets his shot, it'll be full go. So I think that's a really interesting to look at there. You mentioned a name that wasn't on the outline, but I, I want to ask you about him. What are you doing with Matt Carpenter? I, uh, I, I, he's droppable to me in a lot of leagues, but I know it's very controversial because some, some don't want to go that far. They believe the talent's there, but I don't know how long you can believe this kind of talent's going to be sitting around because this is really bad. Yeah. Oh, man. I have no clue what to do with him. Strikeouts are up. I mean, the walks are there. So I think, and it's, it's props to him because he's hitting 152 on the season. And he still has an on-base percentage above 300. Yeah, I mean, that's talent. That is talent. That's big-time talent. Yeah. So I guess it's one of those things, and I hate to get so niche here, but it, he's really league-specific. I think if you play in a batting average, a league that values batting average, you could probably go ahead and drop him at this point because, I mean, I understand this might be the lowest of the lows of the season, but then again, what's really the high? I mean, he only hit that's 241 last season. I mean, sure, sure, he gives you 20 home runs. You know, say he gets you – Say he even gets to last year 70 RBIs, 20 home runs and 70 RBIs, like I said with Franco, out of a third baseman. I mean, there's probably going to be eight or nine players that do that. So uh, now, however, if you play in an on-base league, I understand his 305 isn't good, but any sort of spike in a batting average, his OBP will be way up there where it's been in recent years in that you know 360 to 380 range. So I think he has a longer leash in leagues that value on-base percentage. But like I said, if you, you play batting average leagues, I mean, you can cut bait for him. And honestly – Fowler come, you know, Fowler's up. They they give him full reign in the outfield. I would be really tempted to drop Carpenter and pick up Fowler. I mean, it's it's been pretty bad for Carpenter. No, I, I dropped him in the 15-team TGFBI, and someone sniped him for about $125 the following week, and I said, good luck. I, 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 that same week that Alex Gordon went for 15. So, <laughs> let's, yeah. Uh, yeah, so let's just see what happens. But uh, – Colby, that was really good stuff, man. Um, really, really good information. Why don't you let everybody know what you got coming up with Fantasy Alarm and uh, Big Guy Fantasy Sports? Yeah, so with Fantasy Alarm, like I said, you catch the Fantasy Baseball podcast with uh, me and Nate Miller, and you'll catch those on Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, and then also I drop a category impact article uh, every Friday and pick one category to help your fantasy team out, give you anywhere from four to six guys that are worthy additions. A lot of time these guys are owned in – you know, 25% of leagues or fewer. So they're definitely out there in the majority of leagues. And then over at Big Guy Fantasy Sports, I believe 
Bob Lung announced that the consistency guide is coming out the 1st of June, I believe. So get ready for that. And then there's also going to be a daily aspect to the consistency this year. So we'll be looking forward to taking consistency past the season long leagues into daily contests on FanDuel and DraftKings. That'll be very exciting to check out. I'll definitely look into that. Bob's a really good guy and his consistency stuff is great. And you guys do great work at both both uh, sites you're working at these days. So I really, really enjoy it. Um, check out Colby on Twitter at Colby R. Conway. Always great stuff coming from that direction. But man, Colby, thanks for joining me, man. Really, really good time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And congrats on uh, episode number 93, almost at 100. I appreciate it, man. Everybody, like you said, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 93. Catch you guys next time.